Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 27 of the Fitness Devil podcast. Today, we've got Lee Peel on here. She's a veteran of uh, her own podcasts and uh, tons of guest work, but we try to bring out something different and special in this episode, so hopefully you'll stick around and enjoy it. We get into a lot about how you are not your client from a trainer's perspective, and you are not your trainer from a client's perspective, and what that means. you got to hang out and find out. Uh, we talk a lot about the differences and nuances of approaching uh, women's training from both the trainer and the trainee perspective. We talk a lot about accountability. We definitely get into Lee's history at, in online training and how she was an original at it and some helpful ideas for people who don't quite understand what's involved with it. So hang around. It's a great episode. And hopefully you can give us a review on iTunes. Thanks. Shut up and sit down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. It's Andrew Coates. Dean Guido's with me. But uh, more important today, we've got uh, someone really cool to join us. So, most veteran podcast guests, they tell their origin story enough to grow, to grow to just truly loathe the task. Lee Peel, who's with <laughs> us today, has hosted and guested more appearances than probably anyone else I know. So uh, we'll spare that task. If you guys really want to go and find out more about her, go check out her website or go listen to some of the other stuff that she's got out there. But uh, Lee, would you at least grant us a proper introduction of your work in the industry and perhaps what you love most about your career? Thank you so much for avoiding the bio, um, which I try to switch it up like every time, but still, it just it, there's only so many times I can say certain things um, or different ways. I, I am right now in the industry. My role is is chiefly that of working online with distance coaching or with writing or with mentoring, um, both in the fitness and in the kind of business because that's what every guru does. They transition, don't they? Um, and uh, but my favorite thing about the industry are working in the fitness industry and working with clients. Um, and I, I literally just went through this um, a few minutes ago. Is is um, I'm working with this, this client right now, and he's he's a he's an he's an older guy, and he owns all the books. I mean, all of them from every possible guru that you can you can imagine from every writer he owns them all and he found me and and he was like yeah you know i really like yourself da, da, da. are you taking on clients and and he was kind of dejected going into it i get a lot of dejected clients you know and um we started working together and during the course of it he had his aha moment and it all kind of clicked and and he's he's losing fat and it's finally happening it was finally working for him and it's that moment where he, he turned to me and, and he said, I, I don't ever have to do this again. I never am going to have to do this again. I get it. Like I, and I bought all these books and I spent all this money and my wife is so mad at me because I've spent so much money throughout all these years, but I finally, I got it and it's clicked. And it's not necessarily that that click is literally because of me. I always believe that it's like this collection of all the things that we learn through time and, 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 and it all just kind of comes together a little bit. But, but when he had that moment and when, when, when people I work with have that moment when whatever goal it is they're trying to achieve, usually it is fat loss, but, but in their body composition or even their lifestyle change, when they have that kind of click moment and they feel safe, they feel safe within themselves and they trust themselves and they feel like that, that they're actually a part of it rather than being puppeted by it somehow. Yep. Um, and they have that security and I'm a part of that. And I, I was an instigator for that. That is probably my favorite thing about my job. 
that's I, I would have to say that that's that's definitely one of my favorite things about my job. That's a good answer. I'm yes. glad. Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes I just sit here and if like I'm, I'm real quiet, it's like I'm kind of enthralled in what I'm hearing. I'm like, I have nothing to add to that whatsoever. That was well, it's like you're on a podcast. Maybe I should just say something for the sake of saying something. But you covered all the bases. So you like helping people. Basically, I'll just sum that up. And you like yes. being part of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it, that's a perfect soundbite. It fixed what I didn't say at all. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. You, you said it all, but you didn't say enough. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but that is that is my favorite part because it's the get, you know, because we're all trying to get that in anything. We're all trying to have that that trust. And then it, and it, and it applies to everything. It applies in business. It, it applies in, in, in your fitness and your relationships. It's just that that moment of calm where you no longer feel like you are being driven by other people's opinions or other people's expectations or you're a puppet to to an industry or to people that don't understand yeah. and you actually feel in control. And I, I do not think that there is much more confidence building that you can have than feeling that over and over again in every instance of your life. When I think you, know, you feel it in your relationships, you feel it in business, you feel it in training and whatnot. I think that's a really important confidence thing For to have. most people, it takes a while to get there. But even talking career-wise, obviously you're in that place, but I can kind of um, relate to that. It's like once you get to that point, it, it becomes more than about money or about like this toll or that toll. And it really is about helping people. I know it sounds totally cliche, but if you're not doing it for that, I don't know what the fuck. Like... It won't last if you're not. No. And it's 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 the thing that I think that really does separate the people that, you know, stay in it for a few years because they see money signs, which is the funniest industry to see money signs in. <laughs> yeah, just say that. Not, or or they just like fitness. Like just liking yeah. fitness isn't really gonna be enough at well, you'll It's not gonna be out. enough, yeah. Either being just a gym rat or, or or trying to find it as some sort of avenue or career for money site, this is not going to work. It's it's eventually you're gonna you're gonna get bored and move on to somebody else. You have to really love this job because this job will beat you and 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 take everything you have and in a good way and in bad ways sometimes too. But it <laughs> you have to really love this job. I think. Well, I do just that's so funny about the trainers thinking they're gonna make money in this stuff. But, uh, I worked in a commercial <laughs> gym for a very long time before I went private. And a lot of these trainers really struggled, but the ones that were motivated by money, it was pretty easy to tell pretty quick because they always got caught up in uh, multi-level marketing bullshit, basically. <laughs> oh, yes. The MLM. Oh, yes. I just saw oh, yes. that. Uh, anyone who knows this will we'll get the reference, but I just saw that former coworker of mine who's knee-deep in that stuff and some dark shit there, but all of a sudden has a podcast about this sort of thing. What? Like MLM stuff. Yeah. I'm not going to say it. How do you have a podcast about MLM? I have a fucking clue. I saw this and I was laughing to kill myself. I'm like, this is fucking pathetic. What do you what do you mask it as? A business coaching oh, it's podcast? Just, I think it's just lovey dovey bullshit about yeah, business coaching and stuff like that. And uh, God. We'll leave it at that. So <laughs> moving on, right, Dean? We tr- we try not to go down that avenue. So I you didn't even lead, didn't even bring it up. You brought it. I brought it up. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, he did. I yeah. didn't do it. It was Come all on. him. All him. I hate I'm innocent. marketing. I <laughs> fucking hate this stuff. But I'm not a fan either. Um, let's jump right into it. So as we have a lot of fitness professionals that listen to us outside of fitness enthusiasts, I guess. And we want to talk about the trap of getting or trying or hoping or finding clients that more or less mirror ourselves or our life or our goals. So let's just say you're powerlifter, you want to just do powerlifting clients. Um, more or less, they're probably to stay in their comfort zone or kind of use the tools that they're most comfortable with. But we've done some research. Quote, you are not your client. You are not your trainer. This is you. Can you kind of explain, that's definitely, it sounds like you, but can you kind of explain that in detail and and kind of why you feel that's important, I guess? Yeah, 
And I, I let me, I, and I will caveat it to say that um, I do think that when you're looking for a trainer or when you're looking to, to get into an arena of things, that if you have a specific goal, it is really smart to try to line up with someone who has similar ideals or, or kind of um, training goals as you do. Um, that way that, that, that it does make. So, you know, if you're a power lifter, you're probably not best to, to be trying to learn um, from a competitive bodybuilder. I mean, that does, you know, it makes sense. Um, it doesn't mean that they can't have the, the skills in that too, because it's certainly in this industry, you learn all walks. But um, more of it, what I mean when I made that statement and, and what I was talking about in that is that a lot of, a lot of trainers I know, they, uh, especially now that things have exploded into both distance and in-person coaching, but when you're working in gin pop, and a lot of this applies to gym pop, not necessarily we're talking about like extreme level athletes that are trying to do something, but this is more of a gym pop statement. Um, when you're working with a lot of gym pop uh, people, I find that a lot of times trainers or authors or writers or leaders or whatnot, they tend to take their story, their transformation, the things that they've been through, and they they try to pack it on to the client and, and make their experience, the client's experience. And, and just to give you a, a, a short example, it's, it's that kind of, you know, it's that, it's that blog post or that article or that Facebook update, however you want to put it, in which that someone's like, you know, so I was doing this for years and, and I was following this and, and then I realized this mistake that I made and, um, and now I, I realize it's everybody's mistake and everybody needs to be doing this. And usually it has to do with uh, multi-level marketing or ketogenics or <laughs> some sort of extreme diet type of thing that takes place and it is this extreme moment that worked for them in their isolated situation and now they know it's going to work for you and you need to follow their ad advice and they're in one and it's not that there's not something to be taken away from that because there there is always something to be taken away from anecdotes or personal experiences but if you truly are trying to get somewhere I think that one of the best things that you can do as a trainer is to step back and look at there are your core things that you need to understand in fitness and in training and nutrition. Um, you need the basics that apply across the board, of course. But how they're integrated into someone's life, how much somebody wants to train, what's the right training for somebody, what's the right nutrition for somebody, it's really important. And we, I, I, I've been caught up in it, and I know that, that all of my friends have been caught up in it, but just even as simple of a comment like, hey, like you that are in the gym and you're reading a magazine while you're on the step up, like actually get to do something. And I get it. Like I get it. But the simple truth of the matter is, is that not everybody's you. Not everybody likes training because some people are just trying to get through to have some sort of smidgen of a healthier life or trying to find a way to make it work. Some people just really don't like to sweat. I, my, my, general practitioner the, that one of that I work with every time I go in she makes some sort of comment about oh I need to get in shape and I need to do this and we have this kind of spiel of conversation we ran through and she's like but I just really hate to sweat and so one day I was just like you know have you ever thought about just putting a fan on and just walking on a treadmill at like 1.4 for a while and you'll at least get some low grade activity in and and the truth of the matter is is that for her that made aid for some health and some some fat loss or some better health markers just simply because she's working. And I think that we have this tendency to get so extreme in our industry and um, to, to try to push our boundaries and our limits because both of us are athletes and we like to push and we like to go far. 
But that's not everybody. And that's not every client. And it's not going to be. And so I, I think sometimes taking a step back and seeing the big picture of what really works for everybody's life and how to introduce them into our world or a different world in a way that's complementary to their life. And if it changes for them, great. If, if they start to fall in love with it naturally and organically, awesome. That's wonderful. But if they're just someone that is trying to kind of make that part of their life a small divot, not everything, that's okay too. And, and, and I think that we miss that a lot when we're, when we're programming for clients and when we're trying to do things for clients and we just want to stay in our own comfort zone or see them through that lens. So that's more of what I mean by that statement. So, you know, to some degree, you do have to line up with the right trainer and you have to kind of find the right person and, um, and, and pick people. And that is a way you can also pick people. Um, but, uh, ultimately you really need to see the client for who they are and you need to see the trainer for who they are too. And, and not just try to, uh, pigeonhole your trainer, uh, into, I, I want to respond to someone who's just boot camping and yelling at me and making me throw up. And it's like, well, maybe that's not your trainer. Maybe you need to find a different trainer. <laughs> maybe that's, <laughs> you, you need something different because uh, that's, that certainly never was, was me. And I know it's not everybody. So that's kind of what I mean by that. And I think it's really important for customization and individualization and ultimately results. Well, it's, it's interesting too, because basically what you're talking about is trainers need to learn how to problem solve. So even though you have this niche in a certain area, that doesn't mean that everyone's going to fit in that mold. And it's, I guess there's a lot of trainers who do do that. It's just not good advice for most trainers. You know what I mean? Like the, let's say 90% of trainers getting into the industry trying to be a niche in, let's just use hockey training. Like it's probably yeah, not, the right? best, not the best place to start. I mean, unless you're a former NHL player. So there's obviously like yeah. opposite ends of the spectrum, but like I, I agree completely. I think a lot of the problem is you get coaches who start out or they they, they have a very, very narrow skill set. I mean, there's a, a I can think of young trainers that I've seen working in the same gym as me before who all they knew was like bodybuilding or men's physique training. And then yeah. you see that sort of stuff applied to, um, you know, obese women who want to lose yeah. weight and just get better energy. And you see them doing a whole – and sure, like doing stuff that's fun and gets them moving is always going to be a positive. But you can definitely see trainers fitting the client to their very narrow box of skills. Yes, yes, exactly. Versus yes. ever getting comfortable with stepping out and learning skills. I mean, on one hand, I'm not an Olympic lifting coach. I know nothing about it. And – for me, yeah, I don't think it's really suitable for a lot of people, but I'm also very clear in my bias. I have some great people around me who are brilliant Olympic lifting coaches. Yeah. I work in a facility, um, Evolve South in, in Edmonton, where uh, Dean Somerset's actually at the downtown one now. So uh, we're Excellent. all under the same umbrella. We always got to sneak Dean in, so every episode. So we meet. Actually, did we get him in this Jay and Sarah one last time? I, can't remember. I think we fucked up. I think we missed him. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be pissed. <laughs> but anyway, so... But there's at least a couple of great coaches who are great at Olympic lifting, uh, Kevin Zimmerman and Nick Pauly, just to name two, at Evolve South. And I've actually taken people I know who wanted to learn this stuff. I'm like, hey, guys, go work with, with them because they're going to do a great job of this stuff. But for me, I know that Olympic lifting is not something that my skill set is. But I also try not to say to everybody else, hey, no, like, don't do that. That's, that's bad. Like, you shouldn't do that. I think you hit it right on the head is that the idea of – um, being specialized in something and building a career on it, that's totally fine. It's just that whole application of, yeah, that's of, fantastic. Yeah. Just, let's just say the overweight 300 pound woman who wants to lose fat, probably not the best to go push your bias on it. So I guess, I guess in that context, you said it way better than I did. 
Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, and, and that's not to say, you know, that's again, like I said, I'm, I'm more talking about gym yeah. pop and, and, and I'm, and I'm not in any way knocking specialization because, you know, if you want to, to be a, a bodybuilding uh, competitor, for example, you need to find like people that actually work in the industry that no posing, no tanning, no water cutting and all these kinds of things Like you need to like kind of be emerged and, 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 and that, that kind of uh, vein. But I do find that these, these kind of are on the further kind of more extreme ends of the spectrum. I find that the majority of people yeah. that we are going to be helping fall a lot more in the middle. And it doesn't mean that the middle can't be helped by learning an ollie lift. And it doesn't mean that um, the middle can't be helped by getting driven by the community of their CrossFit gym. And all those things are absolutely true. I, it's just when it comes to that moment of um, when you're listening to the client and when you're trying to get into what their needs are and what their where their head's at and, and their pace – keep in mind that it might not be your pace and it might not be your personal desires that they might have a different kind of training personality than you do. And, and, and I think that working with that opens you up not only to having a larger variety of clients, but having a larger variety of success because then you can see how you can transition the clients from one point to another and, and how this one thing allowing them to have a little bit of their own personality or move at a certain kind of pace makes them hungry and kind of want other paces or other aspects of it that, and, and it's not to be manipulative of your client, of course, but it's kind of that baby steps thing. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you this kind of like room and platform and, and make you comfortable and make you feel at ease here. And then, you know, guess what? On your own behalf, you might say, so what's that they're doing over there? You know, can we, then Give that a shot. Is it? Yeah, you, you know <laughs> what I mean. And and then we totally manipulate them to do exactly yeah, what we absolutely. want. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't tell them the secret. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> so that's the goal. <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, you know client needs, so let's go in a different direction with that because one of the things we talked about that we would speak on this podcast was the industry tends towards oversimplification of the differences between men and women or it goes the opposite yes. and then it treats them as entirely different species. And there are critical differences and the discussion yeah. is probably a bit more nuanced than what you often see. Uh, would you do this discussion some justice uh, and focus on the critical differences and how to approach training women, especially and speak to our female enthusiasts about what they should focus on? To me, this is, it, it's such a fascinating topic because we're not just talking about, and, and, and I think this is where people get up very fixated, we're not just talking about exercise, meaning exercise selection or uh, movement selection. We're not just talking about that. When you're talking about the differences between men and women, and I don't want to get too heavy and, and all of a sudden start uh, going on some sort of march speech, but you're also talking about society. And you're talking about how society looks at women, treats women, and different societies. And and this podcast, it it has a worldwide reach, you know. Um, and uh, when we're talking about that, we have to understand that there are are certain women in certain societies that may be listening to this. That that um, it's it's still an amazing thing that they can even go to a gym. And I and I think that and, and again, it's it's the kind of mind, it's a narrow mindset in which that uh, we assume where we are in our country and our, in our worlds and our, in our lives that, that there's this freedom or that women can do whatever they want to do and, and they can totally go into a gym and they can lift however they want to live and be you and, and be strong and what have you. But women also have to walk out into the world and socially interact and connect with, uh, their opposite sex if they want to date them or, um, you know, or embrace their transgenderism or homosexuality or whatever it is that they want to embrace. And there's a social aspect of it that, 
that whether we want to admit it or not, or whether we like that it is what it is or not, it's, it's a part of our social um, conversation that women are, are muscled or big or uh, bulky or, or have strength or things like that. And so it, it, it must be addressed. I, I think it has to be addressed. And so there's an aspect of telling a woman you're not going to gain muscle if you do these things, or you're not going to quote unquote be bulky in the vein of, of conversation of what general population people think that that conversation is, I think is the worst thing that we can do. Not because we don't want to encourage them to go down that path or that want them to embrace who they are. Cause if I'm anything, I'm about embracing who you are, but it's about being honest. It, it's, and, and it's, it's about living honestly in the truth. The reason we lift weights, um, and try to get stronger, try to gain muscle or do these things is because it does just that. It gains muscle and we get strong and we look like we lift. That's why we do it. We want to look like we lift. So telling women that you're not going to look like you lift or you're not going to look like you train, just go ahead and train. You won't look like it. And it's not that it's not truth to some types of training, but um, I don't think that that's the right avenue. But I get where it comes from. You know, it's to be empowering and it's to be like, don't be afraid of this and embrace it. But we have to come in it with an honest tongue. So I think first and foremost, we have to be very honest with women about the fact that if you want to lift heavy weights and if you want to train hard and go hard and there's different kinds of training styles and not all training styles are going to do that. Um, but, but if you want to dive into a training style in which that's really lifting, adding muscle and like changing your composition, well, guess what? It's going to change your composition. And are you emotionally prepared for that? And are you ready to step up to that and kind of face and deal with a criticism that is seen in the world that is not seen to men? And, it, and it's just something that has to be understood and seen. And that's okay. It's just about, it's just about understanding it and about doing what it is and moving in a pace that a woman is comfortable for doing that. And I find that um, men and women uh, try to kind of push them very hard to go down that path without really truly understanding what they're offering up on a plate because there's been so many women that are like, I, I, I wasn't ready for this. I, I am kind of bigger than I want to be. My husband's making a comment or people at work are making comments and I'm, and I'm scared about that. And we have to make them understand what they're getting into. That's first and foremost. Um, and I think that it's really important on the physicality side of things and, and, and how they actually, um, the differences in their bodies or, or whatnot, women, ha- they are different. They're a little different They They have more, um, sensitivities in their hormones. Um, they, they have a less tendency towards testosterone. Obviously we know that. Um, and, and there's certain changes that sometimes we have to make in, in, in our training schedule or setup that account for that. Um, and, and that allow that to take place. And, um, it does vary and it's different towards different topics. Like for example, just to pick one topic, um, for, for fat loss or, or when, when trying to lose weight, I do find that women respond much better to a lower volume, uh, and kind of more moderate cardio and, and a less restriction of carbohydrates, um, due to decreases in, in leptin and, and how that that ties in with, with their hormones, um, and specifically the regulation of menstrual cycle if they're, um, have, have not hit into menopause yet. Um, and, and it's basically, you know, they can be a little bit more aggressive with their diet than they can their training. And we see a lot of that, um, when in a deficit state or else they, they have a tendency to slip a little bit easier into the whole female triad. Um, and, and again, that kind of can go against the heavy conditioning, kind of hard training of lots of hit, lots of volume, supersets, this, that, and the other. It's not bad for all women. 
it, 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 some women it works wonderful for, but there is populations of women that does have more of a sensitivity to these kinds of, of things. And for them, just for them, um, they may need not to go down like kind of more a heavy restrictive attitude of, of carbohydrates or extreme low calories or really, really aggressive training while in a nutrition or, or restricted deficit area. So these kind of little things like they do exist. Are there male and female exercises? No, like, of course not. Like that's where it's like, that's silly. You know, um, should women not be able to lift weights and get strong and do things? No, of course not. I just think it's about being honest in the conversation and, and making them feel like that they are completely in control of that decision. They have the, the power because ultimately isn't it about empowerment. And, and I think giving them the full honest truth is what gives them that empowerment. So I, I think that's kind of more of the angle and importance of the conversation that I see that we're missing a lot in the industry right now. Actually, it's really good. I think you hit on a key point with there are people who <clears throat> make a bigger deal of like differences in the way that women should do an exercise versus a man should do an exercise. Whereas a lot of this stuff, like we said, is a lot more nuanced and it probably gets in a, a lot of mindset stuff. And you mentioned hormones certainly is a big factor. So yeah. I hope um, anyone, excuse me, <clears throat> I hope our uh, female listeners, especially in all of our coaches, really pay attention to that segment, maybe even go back and rewind it and replay it so that way they grab the essence of what you were just saying. It, 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 I mean, I realize it's not necessarily the most simplistic snapshot of, well, you know, we're women, we program this, that, and the other. And for men, we program that. And uh, with women hit this, I, I do think that it's a little bit more uh, nuanced and ab abstract even approach to looking at it. But I think, I think it's just the general dialogue that we have with women and that, that how we, we have the conversations with them and saying, you know what, like what you're doing and get, because like for example, if we want to in, increase our strength, uh, if, if if a woman just simply wants to get strong, and we program the, the in in if you will the right way, you know, we're not adding in a bunch of like bicep curls. We're doing pretty much like strong compound lifts, you know, uh, uh, heavy heavy deadlifts, um, even like you know back loaded squats. Uh, it's it's not you're not going to see a, a very large increase of, you will see some some hypertrophy, um, but especially if the woman has any sort of tendency to um, have, have under eating or she has her eating under control or she is at maintenance, she's not going to see a, a, an overly uh, increase in, in a lot of muscle mass. There'll, there'll be a little bit, but mostly she will have a lot of strength rather than definition. Um, and, and the average person looking at her might not be able to tell. Okay. But if you, if you're, if you're dealing with women that have a tendency to binge eating or they still have not in any way gotten their diet under control whatsoever, and they're participating in a very bodybuilding kind of styled program, or, um, they're working on a lot of, uh, combinations of isolated eccentric concentric loads, then you and, and, and her diet is a little kind of all over the place. She's going to gain muscle and she's, she's going to gain more muscle than the average person, especially if she is going hard and, and you're telling her to push and, and, and to really give it all, all she has and you're programming in, in a, in a, in a commonly high perpetry range. I mean, granted, there is an argument about that between what that range is, how much rest times, et cetera. Um, you know, it's still always kind of up for the debate. But if we're, we're, we're still in that kind of range, she might, she's going to see some, some, some adding of like muscle mass uh, and, and it's going to happen and it's going to be more so than say the bar class, Tracy Anderson, just a girl going to her gym off work, <laughs> doing some, 
you know, like doing it like that. It's that you're it's going to be different and it might freak her out and and she might not be prepared or ready for that. And you telling her that women don't get bulky and then doing that to her. Well, that's kind of putting her set up to be afraid of of the of the weights. So you have to know what you're doing and and explain it to them and kind of understand the the difference between the programming, how that kind of programming leads to things and make them comfortable with what they're getting into. And and it's also understanding your talent as a trainer. Hopefully that makes sense. Well, it's it's more or less like like you said, you got to know your stuff at least. And and I've got caught in the trap too of saying like weights don't make you bulky because that's usually the first question. I'll go into more detail and elaborate on that, but I, I guess the, the answer is you're not leaving it at that because that's a very no. general statement that doesn't, like yes. you said, they could be, have their diet out of control and yeah, if they did a hypertrophy program, they would probably get bigger. Like yeah. you're at a calorie, calorie surplus, like it's science at that point. So there is instances where, yeah, you could get a little bulky. It can, yeah. <laughs> and and that's okay. You know, yeah. it, it's just understand. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's okay to get bulky. Um, it's okay to load up all you want and, and and there's something wrong with it. I just, I just think it's the matter of, um, you know, sometimes in, in an effort and I've said it too, you know, yeah. it's not like I have, it. it's just, it's in an effort to try to make people feel comfortable into diving into something uh, that we realize that we might've missed a nuance or a variable or an understanding of things, um, that other people didn't. And so, you know, you have this woman, she's like, well, I read it. Wait, so we'll get me bulky. And she starts going into the gym. She's not controlling her diet. She's doing bicep curls. She's like, I swear they're growing. And it's like, no, it's, 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 it probably is. And that's okay. But there's, it's, it's again, why it's, it's why we program. It's why you go to someone who knows what they're doing to program. It's, it's why you understand the nuances and it's, and it's kind of, it reminds I think in a weird way, it reminds everybody, yeah, there's a reason that there are experts in it or people that have a job or people that really do know what they're doing versus your kind of weekend warrior who's, yeah, I'm doing this kind of program out of a bodybuilding magazine. I then got to transfer over that to a weekend certification and call it a day. And, and that is where I think you do find your difference. So the people that know what they're doing, you know, the people that are kind of at an elite level, like, you know, Dean, um, and, and, um, and, Somerset, understand where exactly <laughs> uh, just just for the record yeah. um the, they they if they say something like that to you they probably really understand they understand what they're doing in programming they understand what they mean they understand that they're going to approach it from all sides and things like that but you know kind of joe blow at the random 24-hour fitness not to not that in any way shape or form because there can be amazing joe blows there as well but they might not and if you're concerned get with someone who knows what they're doing and, I think, and make sure you know what i mean and yeah. make sure the programming is on point well and we've talked about this in in like we call it the spectrum but like this is where the problem lies is that that spectrum everyone charges the same rate like more or less like it's hard to find experts among a thousands and i think that that's the main problem if you if you will yeah. like someone's going to go look for a trainer and, and they do go to would you say anytime fitness like there's a spectrum of trainers that all make the same amount of money and you don't know which one you're going to get and i guess that that's on the user end to kind of do your research yeah. and diligence and find a dean somerset yeah. somerset <laughs> um <laughs> and, and figure that out because because you're right you could you could fall into someone who who won't get you what you need especially in terms of like we're talking about myths and the differences between men and women you may go to someone sure. who might put you through a bodybuilding program and you wouldn't know any different and you're in a calorie surplus and now you're bulky and they yeah, tell exactly. you, they told you you can't yeah. get bulky. You're like, I am bulky. What the fuck? Uh, the big thing I... Yeah, exactly. And it, and it leads you jaded in the industry when 
you know, and and the guy doing it, making the program or girl, totally well intended. You yeah, know, absolutely. like it's 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 not even like it's it's not even like it was some sort of in oh it's a manipulation, it's a conspiracy. Everybody wants all the women in the world to be bulky, and it's it's not like that. But it it is one of those things where we we just do have to see the nuances of it, and um and and there's where the argument comes in. It's like oh well, regulation. It's like oh god, I've been to a doctor, and let me tell you, they <laughs> range too. And they're you know, and and. Yeah, and and it's just like it. I it at the end of the day, it becomes it goes back to how well does someone care to know their craft, and it's just important that we understand and know our craft, and and hopefully you as the individual that is is parlaying that craft into the public, hopefully you do your due diligence and try to remember just what an idiot we all are at all times, and that we're still learning, and I learn that every day painfully, and and you know hopefully you the individual. Um, just take that little extra bit of time to make sure that what you're spending your money on and what you're spending your time on is what you need. And and for women, I do find that that does tend to be a little bit more of a more narrow and comfortable field than for guys. But uh, you know, it's not it's not to completely diminish that that guys' needs aren't met too in certain ways um, in the industry. But but I. I will find that as a society, and this is why it goes back to societal conversation, it's okay if guys, generally speaking, get a little bit bigger and muscle uh, and have more muscles and, and, you know, just kind of get leaner and tighter. That's okay. It can be for some women emotionally and in societal sense a little bit more complicated than that. I wish it wasn't. Um, I'm not saying that we should even necessarily give way to it, but I do think that with any of these conversations, the first place we must start is with honesty and then acceptance or altering the difference or changing kind of like opinion. Well, and that's, that's where I come from. Well, and, and that kind of touches on the whole point of like, we talk about the spectrum and regulation and it being yeah. on the on the trainer to kind of portray this information. That's pretty much accountability. And you've kind of touched on this before, but why does everyone need it and like how important is it for like even the training industry or the the fitness professionals to like kind of nurture that idea of accountability especially with the coach client relationship i i really believe that one of the i see this conversation all the time i'm sure you guys do too in which that you'll see people online and be like well it, like for example you, you there's a chance to work with a trainer or there's a chance to even, you know, b- buy a book or buy information products. But in this instance, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with working with someone one-on-one and they'll say something to the degree of like, I mean, I don't understand. I can just open up a magazine and I could just do a program. Why do I need a trainer? And, and, and that's a kind of spending money or paying for us or, or us paying for anyone or working with things. We have a tendency to be like stingy with that. If we can get it for free, we'll get it for free. Um, if, if no one's watching and we can do it ourselves, great. And Hey, that's fine because it really does work for some people. And there are certain people that are completely proactive, motivated, drive their own thing and never run into any walls. Congratulations to you. And you also may be one of those individuals that have that at a certain point in time in your life, but then it, it fades away for whatever reason. But for the majority of us, and I include us because I include me in this, um, we need uh, checks and balances. We need people to help us get through tough times. We need people to be there on somewhat even the dark days when we don't have the self-esteem, the self-love, the confidence, the drive, the energy to do it for ourselves. And to me, um, ultimately, what comes down to it is is I pay people and I, my clients pay me to help them get through the tough times to keep doing to that 
moment that they sent me a message or I met with them and they said, this is what I want. This is who I want to be. I don't want to be this anymore. I want to be that. I want to hit this goal. I want to do this thing. And, and it's our job to keep them reminded of why they sent that first message. And it's, and it's our job to try to put ourselves in an environment that remind ourselves of why we feel that way. And that to me is the complete crucialness of accountability. And if we have that, um, and if we have that with individuals, if, if, if we're working with someone one-on-one uh, or even in a group setting and someone is saying, are you doing what you need to be doing? Are you pressing forward? Are you becoming a better person every day? Are you getting to what it is that you need to be? Are, are you sticking to the, the things that you say? Ultimately, what that means is, is that you're going to trust yourself more and you're going to be more comfortable and confident in who you are. And I think that there's nothing more important than that. I think that there's nothing more important than being able to trust who you are and to be very confident in who you are. So um, that's, that's where accountability really rings important and helps you achieve something, achieve a goal, achieve a dream that, that it is you have and working with someone one-on-one can do that. And then plus also at the end of the day, and then this is always true, giving people your money and having them help you make you do things is, <laughs> it's kind of, it's, it kind of works really well. I, I, I certainly know that I don't like paying money for things I don't use or for services I don't have rendered or what have you. So u- utilizing money as a means to say, Hey, here's take my money make sure I do something. Um, and all the other things have to line up, of course, too. But 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 please help me not waste my money. It's really important. And so I do it in train. I have someone who keeps me accountable, uh, accountable in my training. I have people that keep me accountable in business. I just I think it's really important. And I think that it makes you not feel alone, that you have someone with it, you're not putting that weight and that that issue on your your loved ones. Um, and trying to make them all of a sudden become your partner, your lover, your coach, you know, um, it, I just, I think that it's really important to keep that divide and have a focus, where, where, have it be streamlined. This might be a good one for you. Where do you kind of draw the line and this be, would be individual basis, but between accountability and I, I don't want to say nagging, but like making people feel bad for not doing the things they're supposed to do. Like, how do you navigate that field without like losing them? Um, to me and, uh, <laughs> It's it, this has been a tried and true tested thing and I have failed at it uh, in the past. Let me exp- I mean, let me tell you, I, I, learning tact, learning how to tell someone you're fucking up really nicely <laughs> yeah. is hard. <laughs> it's yeah. hard. You know, it, it takes a lot of words uh, to say something so simple. Um, but where I came, where I ultimately I sat down and I thought about it and I was like, you know what? But this is actually why. And so this is what I tell people. And this is absolutely the truth. Um, if we start working together in a, in a client situation, and this is anything, be it business, be it training, be it whatever. And, and you reporting back to me and off air, I'll tell you the person that actually inspired this thought. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but if you report back to me and, and we're having this kind of symbiotic relationship in which that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm helping you, you're helping me. And, and I stop, I stop being someone that you're scared in a way to, um, to kind of impress or to, to rise up to that. I'm no longer a a mentor that you feel that you, you have to kind of do your due diligence to that, that we're not on the same page 
of your goal that 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 messaging me isn't also messaging you and letting you down yep. because because it becomes a it becomes a partnership and that's what I believe it should be it should become a partnership if you have that moment where you're just kind of phoning it in then I've lost my value and I'm no longer valuable to you because ultimately you're looking at me as this kind of mirror form of yourself and you're letting you down and it's not letting me down because ultimately it's your goal, but I'm becoming a mirror image of you. You've acquiesced and, and, and kind of explained to yourself that, Oh, it's okay. I, I, I don't have to do this this week. She'll understand this will be all right. Um, and so the moment that that happens is the moment that I stop being worth my value, which is the moment I have to say goodbye. Yeah. And I tell them that. I tell them that. I literally will tell them that. I, I say, if you're okay with, with not continuing, and obviously I'm not like the first week they screw up. It's like, oh my <laughs> God, like that's it. You know, I mean, there's a path to this, obviously. You know, there's, we work through things. We try to figure out and troubleshoot what's going on. We try to figure out what's taking place. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if, if there's a moment that I'm kind of seeing this isn't working yeah. um, and they're they're not on board, then I say goodbye um, and I and I give them the chance to to kind of not like stop me like I'm walking away. You better catch me. But but um, but I say goodbye and I say this obviously isn't working and get with me when you're where you need to be. Get with me when you're really ready to make this happen and 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 we can go back forward and work with this. And usually I nine times out of 10, that moment that I'm willing to walk away, it, it kind of, it kind of straightens them up a little bit and they realize, no, I really do want to do this. I do want this to happen. Um, the times that it doesn't work, we really weren't a good fit anyway. Yeah. And it just, cause sometimes it just happens, you know, it just, it just happens. We just weren't a good fit. And sometimes even those situations turn out into great referrals for my friends because I'm like, I'm not what you need. I think you need this guy or I think you need this girl. Like, I think you need, I think you two will really vibe. And so I'll just refer them out. And I think that them sensing my non-desperation um, helps because I do have people in line. So if if I'm not doing what it is that, that I need to do for you, there is somebody else there. And they maybe can feel that. And, and I give everything to my clients. I really do. I, I give them everything that I have and I try to give them everything that I can do. And they know that and they feel that. And and there's some there's some people that'll just be like, you know, I, I'm kind of done, but can I just can I just keep checking in with you every once in a while because because I I just like that you're there and I'm like yeah because I do create a, an atmosphere of safety and of them being able to be what it is so so kind of taking me away in a weird way is how I deal with it and um and they see the value of how much I'm giving to it and how much I care I'm not one of those trainers I'm not one of those clients that are just like. And just keep sending me in the money. Great. It's like yeah. I'm a gym and, and you don't have to come into the membership. And I'm just, I'm not that person. I get not aggravated, but I, you know, I get kind of, to me, it's, it's a challenge for me to be the best I can be to help them be the best they can be. So I, I take it personally and, and I, and I take it to where, um, I really want to be the best I can. So it's important. Well, and, and I make that clear. And you're back at that point of why you're doing what you're doing. Like it, it's nice to be at that point where you can, I guess, pull that trick out, but like really just focus on what you want to focus on and be that person. And if you're not move on, cause then now you're starting to do real change and I'm, I'm sure that comes through, but it's probably a nice place to be in. Not everyone's going to be there, but I mean, taking people's money for the take, sake, sake of taking people's money ends up being like, that's again, you won't be here very long. Well, it's a gross feeling no. actually. Like I, 
I've always said this, like, I don't feel comfortable sleeping at night if I do not feel like I am giving someone a lot more value than the sticker price of the experience of training with me. So I, I just <clears throat> can't comfortably let someone continue if somewhere along the lines, the communication or the effort is breaking down and they're not responding to me. Well, I, yeah, like I take that personally to say like, I need to do something different. I need to do something better to communicate. And yeah, sometimes it is someone who just, they're the types and I've dealt with this where they withdraw and they don't respond and you can't get them to respond to a message when you're trying to get them in front of you. Like some people will do that, but even still, like I really can't feel comfortable taking someone's money if, well, it's not that much money. Just not in, in the, the big scheme of it. things, it ain't that much money to be worth that. And I mean, it's not all about the trainer, but I mean, if it's not the best route for everyone, like that 50 or that $100 is like not making anyone's life any better. It's just actually probably making everyone's worse because <laughs> they're not getting the results and you're fucking pissed about it. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and they're not learning. Yeah. They're just throwing money at the problem right. and thinking that that's doing it. Yeah. And, and it's life being better at your life. And I mean, because at the end of the day, this is all of it. You can get your nutrition on point all you want or you can whatever. But at some point, like things buckle. We all have been there. And 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 getting your life on track, you can't just throw your money at it. It's hard work trying to be a better person every day. It can be exhausting. And and it, it's obviously worth it. But but you can't just throw your money at that. And so if someone wants to keep me on tab and, and on, on some sort of payroll to make themselves feel like they're doing something in their life because they have the money to spare. No, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that because I don't learn anything as, as a, as a coach or, um, or as even, even my little, my layman researcher self in which that I'd like to, I like to read and try to apply the things that I understand about psychology and, and about motivation and value and, I'm not going to learn anything from that if I just keep keep people on like that. It's it's not going to help me. It's certainly not going to help them. So yeah, I couldn't sleep at night either. And and I think sometimes people get their back up and they're like, "Well, it's not about you. It's not." And it's like, no, that's not the point. It's it's that I have a role to fulfill. That's why they're paying me. I have a role to fulfill. And if I'm not fulfilling my role and I'm not doing my job, I'm not doing my job. So it's not like if someone doesn't lose weight, I'm not because sometimes that's not the goal. Sometimes they might you know, come in and, and they might have a goal and they didn't realize that their goal was something completely else and they had a transformation and they never lost a pound. And that's fine too. And 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 we part our ways beautifully and, and they decide that they wanna they want to start just, just gaining muscle or getting strong or taking care of themselves in a different way. So it's it's not always like that. It, it's about helping them find out what they want and how to get what they want. That's my job. If I'm not doing my job then or I'm not helping someone, then it's not working. So, you know, when I, when we say things like, well, I take it personally, it's not because, you know, you're not, oh my, you're not getting into a bikini or your, your, your PR hasn't gone up or whatnot. How dare you? It's not like that. It's, it's because we care and we want to do our jobs really good. And that's what's so important. So I hope that that's clear because sometimes people can take that the wrong way. And, and even trainers turn it into a, um, well, you're not performing for me, and it and it's not like that. It's different. It's it's a lot more nuanced and and a kinder maybe than it even comes out. But it's important, and I think it's important that we do what we need to do. I, I look at it like being a teacher. You know, if a kid's failing in class, I take that personally. You know, like if if I was a teacher and a kid was failing in my class, I'd want to do everything I can to help that kid. And and I think that that's the mentality that that we apply to it, and that's that's the healthy way to go about it. A lot of what you're talking about applies to a lot of your online coaching because I've seen you before. You have stepped away from doing a lot more of the in-person stuff, but you've actually yeah. been in the online coaching realm 
like way before this popular trend towards it. Like way before. Pi- before online trainers are a thing, you were an online yeah. trainer. So it's a couple of yeah. questions of this stuff. So we're obviously seeing more of this stuff than ever. Yet a lot of people don't understand it. So I wonder what you'd say to them to help them understand what the value is in this. And then many coaches, they also don't understand how to be successful in that online industry. Uh, you know, and it's growing to the point where it, it feels like it's becoming saturated. What would you have those trainers do to become more successful? Yeah, I'll, I'll give a really quick backstory caveat. Um, you know, the reason I was an online trainer so early is because I was an online person. You know, I was, I was kind of geek in that sense. Um, I really loved being online, um, downloading music and listening to new bands. And, and re- I, when the internet came, I was so happy, you know, um, I was so happy when the internet came <laughs> because I had access. And so I was online uh, and, and that's why I was online. Um, so early on I'm old. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of helps too. Um, but when I started, I actually did things a little differently when I, when I was training in person, I also was training, um, online kind of at the same time. I had new clients online and I had new clients in person and I just, I saturated myself into every single realm of training that I could of research of talking to people. Um, you know, I, I'd go home and I'd from my gym job and, and then I'd sit and see Alan Argon argue with someone for, you know, two hours and completely tear them to shreds. And, um, and, (laughs) and I'd learn, I would just learn, you know what I mean, man? I would just say, take it all in. I would take it all in and some I did good and some I did bad, but I learned. And, um, and so I, one of the interesting things about the online world versus the in-person world is with the, the in-person world, you, you do have this, this connection automatically with seeing someone one-on-one, you see their facial expressions, you understand who they are. It's, it's, it's just, it's just a different beast. It's a different animal. So you can, you can see their size or their, um, the reactions to things. And also more importantly, you can see their stance and you can see how they move and you can tell them in an instant, you know, you need to tuck this here or you need to brace this there. Or, no, no, no drive through this and you know it, you 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 can show them by doing it yourself you can show them by kind of you know uh, appropriately like kind of t- touching or cueing or whatnot and um and and it's really easy to make something in five seconds relayed by just an action with the online world you have to learn you'll find yourself you know in front of a computer trying to like wait now what it, how the hell am i going to explain <laughs> what it is that I'm doing right now. And you find yourself, you know, trying to, to imitate, you know, a back squat in, uh, in front of your computer screen and figuring out what's firing, what's not fire. How do you, how do you write that? How am I going to write that? And in a weird way, I found that my online work really helped with my in-person work and vice versa, because I, I had to articulate things yep. that I never would have had to, 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 to actually write before or verbalize. And I had to figure out a way to explain things that I, I never, I never would have had to explain if it wasn't for being online. So, um, I think that, that people knock online training is not real training. Um, or as, as, as it, you know, we're in the trenches, you're out there kind of, you know, messing around and it's just, they're just two different things. 
My online clients, for example, I send them to trainers in person a lot of times because um, I can do a Skype video. I can see things as much as possible. I can try to view things from a distance. But the truth of the matter is, is that um, there are certain things that you can only do in person. So sometimes we'll set up exercises. I'll give them videos, homeworks, cues. We'll talk about things. I'll look at whatever it is they, they have. Um, I'll look at their videos of what they're doing. And then I will send them to someone in the area that I've kind of selected or that I know or refer them to. And I'll be like, go to them, make sure that that you're doing these things right. Make sure your form's good here and these things are kind of good. Make sure that you feel confident. I only work with people that already know training to a degree, that they're not um, they're not completely new into it or that are new into it but are so... I mean, I, I do work with some people that are extremely obese, um, that are morbidly obese, that walking for them is really a hard task. And so for them, obviously, it's, it's a path and it's a journey and that's a different thing as well. So... Um, it's just a different animal. Um, we're a part of things in a different way and there's a lot of communication and there's a lot of, um, therapy, (laughs) you know, without (laughs) license, of course. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's basically, it's a lot of communication and a, and a lot of conversation. And what I do is different from what everybody else does. Of course, you know, um, I do online training different than such and such does. But, um, for me personally, uh, I, I just kind of make sure that they understand the hows and the whys. And it's an educational course really that I'm with them every week. And then we do check-ins and, um, there's nothing cookie cutter. I literally write up everything every time, um, and utilize their own personal experiences. Um, their energy requirements and all that is completely tailored to what their steps are, what their weight is, what, um, what their history is, all of these kinds of things. And, and there's no program program kind of spit out thing about it. It's why I call so much. Um, and, and it's very involved, it's very handholding and it's, and it's a completely unique experience. That's my experience. That's not going to be everybody's experience. Um, but to me, I think it's incredibly valuable and it is life changing and, and you can really have wonderful transformations and experiences through online coaching. Um, and it doesn't mean that, um, in-person coaching isn't important. It doesn't mean online. Co- it's, they're just different animals, in my opinion. They're just different. I think that they're very different. And I still do work with people online uh, or uh, in person. But the great thing about that is I don't do it for money. Because mostly, if I had my own gym, I probably would. But in the area that I'm in, I hate being an employee to anybody. And I hate having you to... Hate authority. Um, I do. That's dude. a deeper societal like, I, issue. That's my. That's is. my problem I too. Do. I, I do. And can't do I do. I don't have the. <laughs> I don't have the means right now to open up my own gym or, or the desire to be perfectly honest with you in this area. So um, I just have people come and hang out with me. They're just guests, and we work on stuff, and we have fun, and and they. they if you want to come and train with me anytime, you're more than welcome, um, because that's that's just it's just a fun, great thing to do, and and we can knock some stuff out. Um, and I only work with people in an online format, uh, in that way, like for, for costs, for cash. Um, and as far as the saturation issue goes, um, and, and, and how to deal with like an injury, uh, industry that's very saturated. I think one of the things that people forget is yes, there are more online trainers than ever, but there's also more people on the internet. Yeah. 
than there's ever been. And um, with the the rise of of people kind of looking to you know be free, and this is the freelancer market in general. Um, but with trying to be in any sort of freelance industry, people forget it's like yes, there are lots of people online trying to compete for for a job and trying to do something or, or trying to get out there. But there's also a whole lot of a hell more people on the internet than there's ever been too. And um, I always kind of say if it, if you look at just the billions of people that you have. And for most people to have a successful job, you're really just talking about a couple thousand. Um, and it's that kind of old Seth Godin thing. But um, it, it really only takes a thousand really good fans to, to make yourself um, a successful business. So I don't think finding a thousand in billions um, is is completely ludicrous of a thought to have. And I and I really think that that sometimes people just get overwhelmed and they need to simplify it and just kind of reel it back in. Well, I would agree with that. Like, I guess what Andrew's saying too is that it feels saturated because even if you go on Instagram and you follow all these people now, they're just popping up like fucking crazy. But I, again, yeah. I would still, uh, there's way more people. And truthfully, a lot of the cream will rise to the top, like any industry. Um, it's hard to sift through some of the bullshit sometimes, but you can, it takes, it doesn't take that long if you actually go and look at someone's Instagram account and what they're putting out outside of the plagiarism, which is a whole different fucking topic. No, oh, that's a fun thing, um, yeah. Yeah, like, you got to kind of do your due diligence. <laughs> this is another one of those plagiarism issues. We talked about this with Sohee Lee when she was on our podcast. And it was, it make, it was Megan Calloway. It was yeah, Megan Calloway. Yeah. She, like, literally, Megan, yeah. I know this is totally has nothing to do with, well, it does have something to do with online coaching. There's literally coaches that fucking literally take verbatim every single fucking word they said and put it in an article. And I thought that was nuts. Like, I don't. I guess it's not that nuts, but it actually happened. And she documented all of it with pictures, and I was like, "Wow, yeah. what an idiot!" I remember that. That was yeah. that was greasy on that guy's part. Yeah, there's um. I won't get into it uh, because it's a little complicated. But um, yeah, my uh, one of my books, my Fat Loss Troubleshoot, is basically being released by a very very popular guru, almost verbatim. And there's nothing I can do about it. Not a thing. And I can't do anything about it um, because they're in another country. Yeah. And um, there's nothing I can do. And, and you know, and it's just like, so it's what it is. And you can rack yourself with that. And, it, and I'm not saying it doesn't drive me crazy because it does. And obviously, the, the longer that you're online, the more that it's going to happen. But I just, I try, some people get so discouraged by that. They get scared to share the information. They get scared to, to put anything out there. And, and I, I always just simply say, if, if you, if you, no one can outwork you, um, and no one can out talent you, they can copy you and they can get away with it for a little bit and they can, they can have their little, you know, stolen thievery success for, for a little bit. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I have yet to find to where the individuals don't get called out to some degree and that it doesn't ruin their credibility and it stops them from getting into certain doors. Cause it always seems to. And ultimately at the end of the day, they, they can't out talent you and they can't outwork you. Um, and having that work and having that skill to get those in, the, in, that information to begin with, it is a certain skill. It is a skill that people do not have that well, not everyone has, you well, know? So, I was saying, let's talk about that. So, like, obviously, we kind of went one road down the other, but let's talk about this whole idea of credentials and certifications and everything in between, whether it's degrees. But I guess we're talking a lot about helping people in the essence of kind of our career is helping people, same reason why we did the podcast. But how much or outside of the bare minimum 
do does this shit really matter <laughs> and what does matter what what actually does matter based like what do you think matters the most it's really hard for me not to sound incredibly biased or as if that what's your bias that i'm yeah it's a bias um <laughs> funny um it's really hard for me because i i do not come from a formally trained background yeah um, I, 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 I mean, I, I technically have certifications. I mean, I've had a thousand and one certifications. I mean, we've, we went through that gamut. Um, we all do yeah. when we're starting to be training, we, we want this, this, that, and the other. Um, I just, right now I just carry my, my NASA Men's Call it a day, National Academy of Sports Medicine. And, and I've, I've done every single variation of their certification I can think of. But, um, I, I just have that. Obviously I'm self-taught. There has been pros and cons to that. If I could go back for the ease of myself and my experiences in my life, I would have done certain things in a formal educational sense, but that's just for certain things that I've experienced and um, polish. There was a polish that I lacked that I had to go back and get basically. Yeah. Um, but that that's about kind of communication skills versus uh, me understanding my, my craft more so. Um, so to me, obviously I don't think that it matters what your certification is or what school you went to or where you came from. There's, there's obviously certain reputable institutions and things that, that are better than others as, as a whole. And, and we see that in Ivy league colleges and, and the like, but at the end of the day, it's, it's about that drive and I can't help it. I'm, you know, I'm a goodwill hunting kid. Like I, I, I'm, I'm a believer of just because, you went to, to a school that you got a PhD that you've, you've, you know, you've, you've seen the circus and, and, and that you've done, you've done it all. It doesn't mean that you, you know, everything. And, and we know that because we, we see, we see what a lot of uh, doctors do or, or registered dietitians. I mean, heck half of my client base are registered dietitians and it's not because they're not smart and it's not because they don't have skills or education. It's because it's, everything is convoluted and messied and there's too many cooks in every bit of kitchen and because of regulation and because of all these kind of things um we have certain people making decisions but they're not informed and and then they're they're manipulated because somebody has an agenda and lobbyists and i don't want to get too political of course but you know there's someone's hand in every pot everywhere mm -hmm. And so when someone's kind of hands in every pot everywhere and you, you have a hard time even trusting who's making the decisions and, and which ones that they come from, I like to go back to science. And I like to go back to independent research science as much as possible. I like to look at the individual studies as much as possible. I like to look at where they come from, where they're funded, and the collective whole of that. And that's how I make my decisions. That's where I get my information. I look at I look at the science and I look at the nuances of that and I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm not saying that I don't make mistakes and, and that I know everything. I, I know enough to know that I know nothing, but I, I know that, that I, it doesn't, none of that education came from someone telling me how to think uh, in, in, in a classroom, but that is not to knock what you learn in those kind of environments and situations. And I'm a proactive person. I'm not a reactive person. And there's a lot of people that, that are best guided by reacting, meaning here's a task, react to task. Whereas I'm someone who's 
here's this thing, go do this thing. And, um, and, and they're very different kinds of people. Um, the, my assistant, she is a reactive person. She could not materialize anything for herself on the face of her earth. She has to be told what to do. She, she will not proactively seek out anything, but in a reactive sense, she's fantastic. You know, she's, she's incredible. So I, I think, I think it's, Ideally, I would love to see everything kind of cored out and, and we have a really an actual evidence-based research kind of look at all of these things. And if there was any sort of regulation or regulatory sense that, that it was done in a really good way, I'd probably be out of a job or why I'd be in college for a while. Um, but I'd be okay with that. But, um, but I, I worry, I worry <laughs> about the quality of it. Right. Yeah. And, and ultimately it's just, I like the freedom of being able to have the option and decision of it for everybody and, and it not being mailed through something. I don't know how much longer that's going to last. And I, I read about it and I see it every day kind of wondering when's the day that it's going to happen or, you know, is it going to happen this year? When's the legislation going to come through with this, that and the other? I don't know. But until that happens, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I, I know during, under this, uh, current, uh, uh, presidency, it certainly isn't going to happen. Um, and, and not, and I'm just saying like, not because of anything, but, but just, it's, it's not going to happen, um, right now because this is, this is not a regulation presidency. Uh, but generally speaking, it's kind of like have fun, everybody. Um, but, uh, and, and that's okay. That's, that's, that's not even to say anything about a president, but I, I do know that I can see, you know, you see trends happen and, and we'll see, we'll see. I, I don't want it to happen. Um, personally, it's not something that I'm going towards, uh, thinking that it's going to fix things. I think that we'll fix things better by embracing science and critical thinking. That's, that's me personally. Um, but you know, we'll see, I'm willing to adapt to it. And I think that anyone who's good is willing to adapt to it. I just, um, I don't think that it's, I don't think that the letters behind your name or or the qualifications or credentials are necessary, but I do think that there is a a medium model that probably leads people to more safety because of it. And, ugh. and, and it, that's a debate that I could have at like a pub and three drinks. And I might be like, Oh, screw it. I don't know anything that they're talking about. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those kinds of things. Just one beer. There's tons of people out there that we follow who have very extensive educations. I mean, Dr. Mike Isertel was on our podcast. Oh, he's yeah. got a PhD and Fuck you know, he, Mike. he's, he's fucking brilliant. He might be the smartest person I've got in industry <laughs> and funniest too. And then you get a guy like oh Ben Bruno who is getting a lot of attention yeah. now for training. Well, shit, he's training Kate Upton. He uh, Upton, yeah. There's my he was, a, he was at the Patriots with Justin yeah, Timberlake. Yeah, with Justin Timberlake, exactly. But, like, that's and, my resume. And Ben Fucking doesn't Justin have <laughs> the, you know the big formal education degree in something like biochemistry or kinesiology. Yeah. Um, and I'm like you. <laughs> I've got I've got a Bachelor of Commerce degree, and yeah. I have I hold in Canada our one of our basic ones is CanFit Pro. It's pretty basic stuff. But I'm self-educated through years and years of following people like yourself and a lot of the other names that we've thrown out there. Um, I hold uh, PN certification, so the nutrition side stuff. But I just spend a ton of time trying to learn, cobble together things. And in the end, it ends up being probably the equivalent of a very tailored post postgraduate degree post-doctor. in not postdoctorate <laughs> but post, post yeah. graduate Ma- degree in get shit done man in in all yeah. the stuff that we're doing you know is I'm, I'm in my eighth year in this industry right now but like a lot of the stuff you said is bang on i've heard eric cressy who's got a very formal education in exercise science uh talk about how it's not necessarily even that important and maybe if he went back he might do things a little differently so you're going to find incredibly qualified people who have 
extensive right. education. You're going to find some really, really dangerously unqualified people you shouldn't listen to with high levels right. of education. And you're going to find some people who don't have a ton of formal education who are some of the absolute best in our industry. Pick the person for anyone who's listening well, and thinking about it. I, I have a degree in education, so I was a teacher before this. And having a degree in education means you can teach whatever the fuck they give you a job for. I can get a job <laughs> in physics 30 or whatever. Like, I don't know what you call that in the States, but in physics, I don't know a goddamn thing about physics anymore. <laughs> so I'm not qualified, but I can get paid $70,000 a year to teach it. And I would figure it out on the go, but like, that's, I'm not the best person for that job. And that's formal. It's regulated. I'm a, I could teach kindergarten. I hated it, but I've worked with <laughs> like, Kinesis grads and some of them actually really brilliant, really went on to work hard to expand their knowledge. And, and I've worked, I can think of at least two, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I won't say names, but I think their extra, their like continuing education stopped the day that they graduated. And then they just continued to do the same things through clients as they went on through time. And both eventually were really passionate about other pursuits. And one went on to something very noble and one went on to something really disgusting. But we won't get into that. So <laughs> you, you got to – Stop bringing up triggers, man. Oh, no. I just have fun with this stuff. Anyone who's listening is like, I know what he's talking about. That's fine. Otherwise, no. Let's uh, let's ask you the book question that Dean always pushes me to ask. So uh, you actually mentioned Seth Godin a little earlier. I think it was probably a reference to something he said in Lynchpin, which is one of my favorite books. But Yeah, it was in Lynchpin. Yeah, yeah, that's a super book. Is there a book that you'd want to share with everybody that made a big difference in your life or your career? I, I will say that, that Seth Godin was very, in, like, when I was diving into things, I, I really do like all his books, um, that, especially in the beginning. That I love The Dip. I love, I love Tribes. I love uh, Purple Cow. I, I, I like his um, All Marketers Are Liars. I, I, think, I think he's a really, I think one of the reasons I like him is that he, he has a lot of logic. Um, he, he does go to, he does reference things like, like studies or stuff that happens or, or actual um, data points or whatnot. But mostly the dude just gets it. He just gets it and he, and he relays it in a manner that's really easy to understand and really apply. So I, I am a, a very big fan of his work. Um, and, and I do think in the aspect of just my career and trying to focus on my career a lot, um, it, that was a big one. And what's funny is, um, I, I, I will say that, I remember reading Tim Ferriss and I don't like Tim Ferriss. I'm going to say that. I, 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 I don't, I, I don't like Tim Ferriss. I don't like hate the dude or anything like that. Um, but, uh, I, I basically, I have a problem when people enter into the field just for the sake of like a best seller. So if, if it wasn't for the four hour body, like if we could remove that, right. Um, Absolutely. So I'm not a fan of that book. Um, but, uh, but I, it's not deniable in any way, shape or form that, uh, he does a really great job in the aspect of career and marketing. Um, so I'm not a fan of like the physiology or, or experiment with your body kind of Tim Ferriss stuff, but from a career or understanding mentorship or sales tipped or marketing, dude's a genius and, and, um, really knows his stuff and really knows what he's doing in that aspect. And I, and, and if I'm just being honest, I, I do think that one of the, you know, the first books I read was the four-hour work week and it wasn't about not working um a no, lot or, or or yeah or, <laughs> damn it man um it wasn't about like not working or, or anything like that but there was there was things that he said about simplifying the the way that we look at working or the way that we 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 look at at outsourcing or how we go about doing things and it was the first time i had ever thought about those things and i'm sure it's like with anything someone said it a thousand times before and and this is a good lesson for anyone writing material I'm sure someone said almost exactly so many things that Tim Ferriss said in that book, but he was the first person that I read say it. 
And that's what stuck out. So if you're thinking someone's already said this, or, you know, I'm going to just be uh, just repeating and reverberating off of, off of the group think tank. Um, the truth of the matter is, is that we all come in at different points. Everybody comes in at a different point just because you've been following such and such for so many years doesn't mean that, that, you know, Karen who gets online and all of a sudden is looking up things doesn't find your book and you're not the one that she thinks about when she thinks of that sentence. And that's what's important. Um, so, uh, right now I'm reading, I'm, I'm reading some Steven Pinker, which is, have been very controversial book I'm seeing. Um, but I'm reading that, uh, I, and, uh, I'm reading a lot of grammar and writing books because I'm trying to hone my craft and, and continue to get better in that. Um, but, but, but basically I'm a big reader. Uh, I think that reading is really important. Uh, and, um, I, I went through audio books like they were everything as well. I mean, on walks, um, on, on commute, you name it. So I, I think getting educated through means of things that, that inspire you or that in your area, keeping it at the forefront of your focus, even if it's the same material over and over again, it, sometimes it just helps you be motivated that day. Um, not much like reading a Bible or the Quran or, um, mm-hmm. things like that when, you know what I mean? When yeah. you're, when you're needing to get that thing, like it's just, sometimes it's, it's just keeping, keeping you reminded that, yeah, I am going towards something. And I think that, that not that the book doesn't matter, but just having that drive to keep saying I'm going towards something and the things that surround you provide a kick to that. Cool. Well, I think we're virtually out of questions and we definitely went long on time, which is always okay because you had it. So you're our longest <laughs> podcast. Fuck you in. Oh God, that's never happened before. <laughs> you preemptively, like I guess off air, she's like, don't worry, I have no filter. I'm going to talk forever. I would really love to see you and Luca Hosevar locked in a room together to talk and see what comes out of that whole thing. Because that guy loves Oh, that would be so fun. <laughs> You should both read. You should times. both read the same book and then lock yourselves in a room and talk about the topic, whatever. Because that's usually how he does. Well, I don't know. That's what I assume. That's what he does. He, he'll read a book and then he'll go and post something about it. He's smart. That's fantastic. So, yes, I, I would love to do that. <laughs> um. So, where can our listeners find you? So, the just website, social media, podcast, writing. Like, what's the best way to consume everything you got? Yeah, as always, I keep it very simple. Just um, you can everything is under Leap Hill. So my Instagram is Leap Hill. My website is leaphill.com. My Facebook is Leap Hill. It's just my name. I scored it early, yeah. and nobody else has my name except for this one cook in New York, and she probably hates me. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, that's just it. Just Leap Hill. You you find it from there. Nice. I, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's it. Well, keep it pretty simple. Lee, yep. We really appreciate you taking the time to come on here. This was actually really spectacular. I hope everybody who made it through the entire episode and hung in with us goes and uh, checks out Lee's stuff. What we really noticed is a lot of our audience base, they are following and interacting with a lot of our guests as we've had them on. They're buying books or things that a lot of these people have put out. So I hope this trend continues, guys. Lee's amazing. It was like really exciting when we got the opportunity to actually get her to show up on this podcast for us uh, because she's been a pro for so long. So if anyone has really enjoyed this episode, let's say it's your first time experiencing it. Uh, we recently also interviewed Megan Calloway, who I know Lee is a really good friend of yours. So guys, go ahead and maybe check out that episode. If you really like that, maybe stick around and try a few more. We love new subscribers. We really love, uh, you know, rate reviews on iTunes is really helpful. And we'll stay tuned because next week, if everything goes according to plan, we'll have Peter Baker 
joining us. We're going to talk about oh. ooh, some uh, some interesting stuff, including his Basically, new- you're just getting all my house guests up in here. Well, actually, yeah, I think I saw something yeah. on uh, social media. <laughs> uh, I scrolled down a little bit, and it's like you and Peter hanging out. So uh, that's pretty yep, cool. Yep. Peter's, Peter's awesome. And he just co-authored a book with Lane Norton. So we're going to talk about that and a few other things. So that should be next week. So stay tuned. Thanks very much. Awesome. See ya. Shut up and sit down.